Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Michelle DiStefano, a professor of law at the University of Miami School of Law and the founder and executive director of Law Without Walls, a think tank designed to create innovations at the intersection of law, business, and technology. She is also a guest faculty member at Harvard Law School's executive education program and the author of the newly released book, Legal Upheaval, a guide to creativity, collaboration, and innovation. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. Hi, Ari. So, Michelle, tell us about your background and your work at the University of Miami School of Law. Sure. Well, I don't have the typical background of most law professors. I've always been fascinated with motivating people to think and behave differently. So after graduating from Dartmouth College, I went into advertising at Leo Burnett. I worked on some different brands, including Kellogg's. And then I moved from advertising into marketing, and I worked at Levi Strauss and Company for four years, trying to understand why people might pay more for button fly jeans when nobody can tell their button fly. So that's my background, and eventually I decided to move from the world of cereal and jeans to one of principles and ethics and things that matter, like the law. At Miami, I teach civil procedure. I'm absolutely in love with teaching 1L. My focus in civil procedure is to inspire law school students to think about our justice system and what they want out of it and why the rules and how we do things might matter as much, if not more, than what we do. And so I'm a real big believer in procedure. And actually, that's my charge with Law Without Wall, to focus on changing behaviors, you know, how lawyers practice law and deliver service as opposed to what they deliver. What motivated you to write Legal Upheaval? Through Law Without Walls and my consultancy, Move Law, over the past eight years, I've led over 190 multidisciplinary teams with lawyers serving as the team leaders on them on an innovation journey over 16 weeks where a big corporate or law firm will sponsor a a huge topic or challenge, and this multidisciplinary team will go from problem to solution with business case prototype and branding. As I've been working with teams on creating innovations at the intersection of law, business, and technology, and trying to help lawyers hone the mindset and skill sets of an innovator, I thought, how do we define innovation? I've always been someone who researches general counsels. So even way back in 2009, when I was working at Harvard, I worked on a project with Ashish Nanda, John Coates, and uh, David Wilkins on corporate purchasing behaviors by general counsels. And that involved me interviewing over 90 general counsels of S&P 500 corporations. And throughout my academic scholarship career, I've been focusing on general counsels, general counsels and the court of public opinion, general counsels and compliance. And so it was a natural thing to say, hmm, I'm working in this space. What do general counsels have to say about innovation? And are they helping to drive it? And how do they define it? Additionally, at the same time I started the research, a good friend of mine, James Batham, who's a partner at Everton Sutherland, was just named head of innovation. And that was like the end of 2014. And I thought, huh, what's that? Let's look into that. So curiosity, I guess, is the motivation. Was there anything surprising about what the interviews revealed? 
In some ways, what was surprising was the commonalities that ran between them. For example, general counsels were wanting new behaviors and services from their outside law firms, and they were asking for innovation, yet general counsels themselves admitted they weren't quite sure what that was yet, although they weren't sure what it meant in terms of its bigness and hairiness. They also all agreed on a common definition, and this was true of my general counsel interviewees and my heads of innovation and law firm partners, and that was incremental change that provides lasting value. So for me, that was surprising and sort of wonderful as an outsider kind of looking in because it means that we want change, but we're not asking for a huge, big disruption in the Clayton Christensen sense right now, which means we can meet that as a profession. So that was, I guess, a positive for me. Speaking of disruption, you founded Law Without Walls before the legal tech revolution. How has the profession changed in the years since you created that organization? Well, first of all, I know you agree with this, Ari, and totally tell me if you don't, but I'm so sick of people saying that lawyers haven't changed and that the legal profession hasn't changed. (laughs) That would mean that you and I have spent the last like 15 years studying nothing (laughs) since you and I studied the legal profession and how it changes. So I'm kind of sick of that. Are you? I think that the profession has changed dramatically after practicing for nearly nine years. I feel as if it's a different place. I totally agree. And it's definitely different than when I first started Law Without Walls. People thought I was crazy and I found lots of my friends and crazy colleagues to jump on board uh, with me to help co-create Law Without Walls at a time when the word innovation wasn't as hackneyed as it is now. And I think that there are three major changes that have occurred since Law Without Walls was first developed in 2010 and our launch was January 2011. The first is that we're seeing a lot of innovation across the legal marketplace in terms of legal services, the way they're delivered, priced, sourced, packaged, defined, and even the number of legal tech or alternative legal service providers or whatever you call a legal startup has has dramatically grown. In 2009, if you went on AngelList, you'd probably find like only 15 companies listed as legal startups, whereas today you're you're going to see almost 2,000 or if not more. I get that that's still a small number, but that's a huge increase in terms of trajectory. The other thing is I think there is what I call an innovation tournament happening in the market for legal services and that everybody is playing. Big law, in-house, small to medium-sized, solo, the big four, everybody is trying their hand at figuring out ways to provide services more effectively and more efficiently. And that's creating sort of a tournament in law where people are offering new ways to do what we used to do in a very outdated fashion. So that's number one. Number two is lawyers' clients are changing because of the world, globalization, technology, socioeconomics changing. And so the clients are changing, and especially general counsels at large. Corporations are facing huge problems that cannot be fixed by lawyers alone. And so their clients are changing they're getting smarter, they're getting black belted in new processes, and they're hiring legal ops people to help them map out their processes so they can do things more efficiently. And more than that, they're running sort of like little law firms as we brought more work in-house. They're having to run their departments like a business, and they're being charged by their business clients to innovate themselves. So that leads to the third change, which is our clients are asking us 
to behave differently. We have, they have new demands and expectations of lawyers, and probably the largest demand is around a different type of collaboration, the type of collaboration that comes naturally to innovators and maybe not so naturally to lawyers. Your characterization of the innovation tournament is fantastic. So who will lead the way in innovation? Is it in-house legal teams or law firm lawyers? So I I love that you asked that because when I'm presenting to in-house legal teams, I say, this is your shot. Go for it. You could lead the way. And when I present to law firms, I say, this is your shot. (laughs) You could lead the way because neither have yet. My bet is it'll be in-house. My hope is that it will be a joint collaborative effort. And here's why. If you think back to the call for diversity from 10, 20 years ago almost, so I think it was 1999 to 2000 was the first call for diversity. Sarah Lee, the general counsel of Sarah Lee, and a bunch of people signed on to it. Back then, the call from clients to their law firms was be diverse. But what did they mean by that? So law firms just made their own definition. But over time, in-house counsel has become more and more specific and more creative and what they mean by diversity and what they're demanding of it. So whereas it moved from just be diverse to I need a certain percentage of people at your firm to I need a certain percentage of people diverse and as lawyers to I need a certain percentage of diversity on the team that's actually servicing me to now, hey, show us your flex time policies. Because unless you've got great flex time policies, you're not even supporting the diversity you've got. They're going to walk out the door. So that trajectory, I think we're going to see an innovation. And right now we're at the end, like we're at the just be innovative. And there hasn't been a huge movement to define what we mean by that and to follow up and measure it. I know now you're going to ask me about measuring it, which I kind of dread. Well, can it? Can innovation ever be measured? (laughs) One of the questions I asked all my interviewees. And so over the past two years, I've interviewed over 105 general counsels at large, international corporations, and heads of innovation at law firms and some law firm partners. And I always ask that question. So I love that you're turning it on me. And the way I always ask it is, can it be measured or is it a little bit more like porn? You know it when you see it. And I usually get a chuckle. I think some type of innovation, of course, can be measured. So some of the stuff we're seeing about automation of contracts and some of the e-discovery that's being done by some of the great law companies out there, I think you can measure some of that. Right now, though, if innovation is a new type of collaboration, I think it's hard to think that there's a A plus B equals C equation for measuring. What I'm hearing from clients, both business clients, meaning you know, general counsels have clients, and then general counsels as clients to outside lawyers, is that it changes the way you think about the lawyer as a business partner. And it enables you to enter more conversations and it gets you a seat at more tables. How do you measure that? Well, some law firms could start measuring it, could start tracking the way that lawyers are behaving and how many meetings they're having and if that shows an increase in business over time. But I think it's, at this stage, kind of hard to measure. Given the tournament that you described taking place between in-house legal teams and law firm lawyers, what role should law schools play in innovation? A lot. (laughs) And there are a lot of great law schools participating in innovation. I know you know that well, since you've led this great effort at New York Law School to develop a business of law institute. We're seeing tons of other schools like New York Law School and the University of Miami and the 35 law and business schools that are involved in Law Without Walls really trying to help innovate the legal marketplace and innovate the way we train our future lawyers. And I think that's actually where the real rubber hits the road. Law schools 
I think, really do need to rethink how they're training their lawyers and what skills they want their lawyers to leave law school with. And the reason why it has to be how and what is because a lot of the skills that are needed of the 21st century lawyer aren't the types of skills that can be easily honed in a classroom format. And they're also, frankly, not the skills that your average great academic scholar is good at training. First of all, we've never been trained. Academics have never been trained on how to teach. That's a problem. Second, we may be really good at teaching you how to think like a lawyer, but maybe not so great at how to service a client like a business person. So I think that the how and the what needs to be worked and that law schools have a responsibility in this. Given all the things that you've been tracking, the impact of legal upheaval, where do you see the legal industry headed? I think it's going to continue on its trajectory of change. And this tournament is less between in-house and outside. It's more a tournament that everybody can play in. I think we're going to see more and more types of lawyers and law companies and law firms taking dabs at changing the way they're doing things and offering different products and services. I think that over the next 10 to 20 years, we will see a redefinition of what it means to be a great lawyer and what lawyering includes. I don't see it as lawyers will be bifurcated and only providing legal advice. I think that would be a shame. Instead, I think lawyers will be seen as business service professionals that also have a law degree and that can utilize technology and all these great changes and leverage the innovation tournament to be better at their jobs, better collaborators, and better at relationship building. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Michelle DeStefano, a professor of law at the University of Miami School of Law and the founder and executive director of Law Without Walls, a think tank designed to create innovations at the intersection of law, business, and technology. She is also a guest faculty member at Harvard Law School's executive education program and the author of the newly released book, Legal Upheaval, a guide to creativity, collaboration, and innovation. Michelle, it's been a privilege. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.